1: into the Dynasty Command Center podcast on Rotoviz Radio. It's Curtis Patrick. Some call me the Dynasty Commander. I'm joined by Dave Caven and we're going to talk about how to evaluate your dynasty teams mid-season and how to plan the right moves. You know, a couple weeks ago for those of you reading uh, my weekly series on rodoviz.com, I broke down scenarios for, you know, what types of trades you should be offering or entertaining. And that was after four weeks. You know, I had plans laid out for the four and O teams, the three and one teams, the two and two teams, the one and three, and the zero and, the o and four. And I mean, it was pretty clean at that point. Basically, it boiled down to if you're zero and four, in almost every scenario, you're done. And then I had all these different layers of context for why you should maybe do uh, what I was suggesting that you should do with other records. But now, you know, hey, we're entering week seven. We're six weeks in. We're more than forty percent through the dynasty regular season in most leagues. And Dave, I've been playing dynasty fantasy football for tw- over 25 seasons now. <laughs> and I can promise man, it just it just flies. It flies every year just a little bit faster, and if you just get lazy for 2 or 3 weeks, you miss your windows. I mean, if you if you got a team that's in the middle and and you don't make the effort to get to the top or sink to the bottom, I mean, you're going to be stuck right there again. And so this is a time of the dynasty season where you have to really be focused and you have to be intentional with each squad. And so this week's article titled How to Evaluate Dynasty Teams During the Season and Plan the Right Moves is all about that. And and that I used one of my teams over on FFPC uh, on their platform. It's a, a higher stakes dynasty squad, a couple hundred dollar buy-in. You know, it, it's one... You know, these are the leagues where you know, hey, you can win thirteen hundred bucks if you win the, you know, win the title. I mean, you want to be on your game, and it's not just for pride at that point. It's like you know, hey, that's a pretty nice payday, especially when you're doing that across a portfolio of dynasty teams. So, here's here's how we're gonna lay this out, Dave, and I'm gonna toss some things to you to get your feedback and see, you know, hey, would you do it the way that I'm doing it, or yeah. do you see it differently? What we're gonna start with is just. A couple principles for how to approach evaluating your dynasty team, and the first, the first one, midseason is you got to know your rules. So the, the the league that I'm talking about, it's a 12 team dynasty league, and six teams make the playoffs, and we're six weeks in. So you can actually click on the playoffs tab, see who would be in, see what the seating looks like, and you know, in this league, I happen to be six and zero, and I'm I'm pretty far clear on points scored. And, and so I kind of know what I'm going to do, but I also want to know what all the other managers might do because that's going to help me understand what types of trades I should make and, and maybe eliminate some teams that I shouldn't even waste my time with uh, if they're going to be my direct competitors. But when you look at like the five and six seeds, let's say I was one of those teams. Now, I'm looking here at a four and two non-seeded team and a three and three seeded team. Well, that's because in the FFPC there are three divisions in each dynasty league. And if you're in first place in your division, you're in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if, if those wildcard teams are three games better. And so that's just one of those things where, you know, if you're just quickly, if you play 10, 15 leagues and you're quickly scrolling through, you know, your portfolio and you see your good record. Well, I mean, if you're on the outside looking in, I mean, that's got to matter for your context, or maybe you have a poor record and poor points scored, you know, boats and hoes is this uh, six seated team here in this league. Um, yeah, with a great name. What a great name. Um, but he's, he's three Catalina and three. Catalina Wine Mixer. Yeah, Catalina Wine Mixer, baby. Uh, <laughs> he's three and three, um, but you know he's not very clear, obviously, of the teams behind him. So just because he's in the playoffs, he shouldn't feel overly confident uh, about his position. And he's going to need to fortify that if he wants to hang on to that. So with all of that kind of stuff in mind about knowing the rules, let's veer into evaluating the teams and there's three buckets Dave that we're going to evaluate the contenders, the pretenders and the rebuilders. And I think that you will have the most success in your leagues year after year after year. If you can just take the time twice during the season. And, and one of those times is this week after six weeks and the other time is going to be after 10 weeks, look at your league and separate the teams into contenders, pretenders and rebuilders. And I actually give you a, a framework for, you know, how I actually, uh, designate those defin uh, designation definitions rather. And you can put your own definitions in there, but if you do this exercise, you will streamline your ability to manage your roster, make the right types of waiver claims and make the right types of trades for your team. So contenders, Dave, I'm going to define them and I'm going to see what you think about these definitions. If you would add anything to it yep. or if you think they're reasonable. So a contender is already in playoff position, or only one win away from qualifying. A contender is in the top half of the league in points, even if not in playoff position, and you know this this helps to solve for some potential early season bad luck with matchups. You know, maybe you played you played a really tough schedule, yep. or maybe the team is two wins away from playoff position after six weeks, but was missing at least one injured star that is now back and playing this week. Okay, so this is not Justin Jefferson that you're getting back. Maybe if, when, whatever, but maybe you started, you know, zero and three, but now you know you are zero and four even. But you've won your last two since Cooper Cup came back, and now you're also getting Jonathan Taylor. You know that your team's different than than when it was performing poorly. So that that's how I'm identifying this contender group. You're either already in the playoffs, you're in the top half of the league in points, or Uh, you could be one or two wins away from the playoffs, but you've got important uh, lineup context. Is there any other thing that you would think would help to define a contender just six weeks into the season?
2: No, I think you hit all of the points that I was thinking about there. I guess the only other possible thing would be a team that has maybe like four of the top, like dynasty, you know, top 25 dynasty assets. But for whatever reason, the team like just hasn't worked out through those mm. first six weeks. Um, but I, maybe the team sees themselves as a contender, but they might really not be. So no, I think that that's a, I think that I don't have too much to add to that framework.
1: All right. So if, if we can agree on how to define uh, a contender, here's the guidance that I've got for these teams. And, and this is the guidance I'd be giving to myself then in this league, because I'm a contender at six and zero. Okay, so the first thing you got to stay ahead by trying to improve your weakest starting lineup position or adding high end flexes to protect against in- injuries. So just because you're out there, I mean, the season's brutal, Dave. I mean, we've got these bye weeks coming up. You know, this is one of them, and and the injuries they just really seem like they're they're more bountiful than ever. Or maybe it's just that you know, because we're we're so in tune with fantasy at this point that we just notice all of them, and and more of the injuries matter but you just never know what's going to happen i mean you can be 6 and 0 and i mean and then you lose christian mccaffrey for a month and you might not be sick you know you you might be 6 and 4 at the end of that month so you, you still got to try to improve your team um, and you shouldn't sit back um, and some of the notes that i have underneath staying ahead by improving your weakest starting lineup position are are these it's okay to trade away your 2024 first round pick to accomplish this because at this point you can feel pretty confident you're gonna have an end of round pick. All right. So I mean you're you're not treating that as a random 2024 first anymore. You're treating that as a late 2024 first. You're you know, you're five and one, six and oh, whatever. I, I also think that contenders, you've got to be thoughtful and offer fair and appealing trades with your first offer. Yeah. Because your league mates are gonna be very annoyed by your success early in the season, right? They're looking at, they, they get this offer from you. I mean, this is what I do. I get a, an offer in my end basket. I click on on the league home. And the first thing I do is I, I try to figure out why this trade was even offered to me. Where's this guy in the standings? I mean, you're sending out trade offers as a six and zero and five and one team. And you're not making that offer appealing for the other guy. I mean, they're going to just tell you to kick rocks and you might not be able to get much engagement after that. So you you may need to offer some trades from a dynasty perspective, maybe even where you're taking a little bit of a loss because yeah. you need to make that really obviously appealing to your potential trade partner if they're going to be willing to help you win the title. So, Any thoughts on that, Dave?
2: I think that that is a very, very good point there. And I think that The more Dynasty that I play, the more it just really underscores for me, especially as people start to get busy. And now people have a lot of different Dynasty teams and stuff. It's just very frustrating when you get garbage coming through. There should be a clear reason. None of this, oh, get the conversation started. It's kind of like, no, like, you know, like if if I'm taking the time to go out somewhere... Uh, you know, and buy something, I'm going to toss my best offer, right? So if you're coming towards me, I want your best offer as well. You know, I don't want to play a game back and forth. There should be a clear reason why we're doing this trade. And you think you also have to think about the context of the other manager and that, you know, if they're going to make a move, their team's in a bad position, incentivize them to do it. So there is something to be said about making a trade that some people might think you didn't win, but it makes your team better overall. And, it, you know, has some type of purpose for you and the other owner.
1: And I think I think this is generally good guidance for all trades that mm-hmm. anyone might offer at any time of the year. But it's just especially important to just have some emotional intelligence about the situation. Now, I mean, no nobody wants to help the front runner, but some people will help the front runner if it also helps themselves. Yeah. Um, a couple other points for contenders at this point of the season: don't lose sight of the importance of winning when you can win. They're they're, there. Tomorrow is not promised. And you could lose. I mean, I had teams after a week or even before week one that I was like, there is no way that this team will. I mean, I, I had a team that was, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I mean, just the way that those balls have bounced, like that doesn't mean Jack, you know, and, and as players get older, I mean, you may not be able to run it back. So, if you're sitting out there as a front runner right now, your contender right now, I, I'm really hammering home that you need to have an edge about it to make sure you get it done this year. You've got to win that purse. You've got to get that title. That's the whole reason you play. You don't play to put the pretty baseball cards in the album. You play to get the you know you play to get the championship. It's not about the how pretty your roster looks. It's about actually winning the title. So this might be your year. And uh, you've got to keep an opportunistic mindset. And then then the, this is a little bit more practical. So for people that are playing in some of the old school FFPC dynasty leagues or even maybe some old school MFL leagues that still use kickers or defenses, there's a little bit of a redraft thing here. Start looking multiple weeks ahead for the favorable matchups and start stockpiling those onesie positions. Don't let your opponents gain ground on you by getting those patsy, uh, defense, uh, matchups, especially. Um, and if your team's really good, I mean, you know, especially if it's a deeper league, you could probably make room, uh, for some of those kickers and defenses. All right. So th- that's my guidance on contenders. You want to hear the pretenders?
2: I would love to hear the pretenders. And I also really appreciate the point that you just made. Anybody that's listening right. to me talk for a while knows that, that, that you know, just, doing that with you. the defenses I love. So let's go ahead. That,
1: I, I was thinking yep. about you when I put that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that's the contenders. Now the pretenders pretenders is tricky, man. So pretenders are in playoff position. This is one definition. You could be in playoff position, but your bottom half in points. So maybe you've run pure on your, it's the opposite of that, that, that outsider looking in and the contender. <laughs> bucket. Maybe you've had the favorable schedule to date. Um, or a pretender might be only one, win out of playoff position. Um, and, and winning his or her division, but would not be in wildcard position on victory points. So you would basically not win any tiebreakers and you wouldn't be in by the wild card. You're only getting in because you're in a weak division. You might be a pretender. You, you can't rest back. You, a pretender might also have injured stars with no clear timetable for return and weak replacement players. So you've got a near term, uh, significantly lower weekly points ceiling. So you're you're expecting to probably lose some games in the next month, and there's not much you can do about it if you just trot out the guys you got. Um, Anything else you would add to a pretender
0: definition? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, a member FDSE. I think the uh, the only other thing I would I would add is maybe, the, you know, there's some teams where just the confluence of events has just conspired to give that team a really hot start. But if you look at the players, you know that across the rest of the season, you know, they're at their peak and it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, there's a couple of who, like, who was that wide receiver for the Eagles a couple of years ago who, like, the first four weeks was scoring a million points, but nobody had ever heard of him, and they weren't going to hear about him after. Like, it just kind of happened. It might have propelled some teams up.
1: I forget. Travis the, Fulham, Travis Fulham,
2: Travis Fulham. right. You know, sometimes you can get a mixture of players like that that gets you, you know, your team looking good early on, but you know it's not sustainable.
1: Um. Well, that's a really cool point, because the sub point that I had under this was, identifying pretenders may also require individual roster review. Oh, there <laughs> so, <laughs> you go. There you go. That was out there and you came up with it on yep. your own, bud. Yep. Um, okay. So pretender guidance, this is where it gets tricky and and you have to be willing to, you, you've got to try to force yourself to a, a point of conviction and do some risk, uh, stratification here. So the first point is, you know, this is an emotional intelligence point here. It can be tough to call your team a pretender but we've got to call spades spades if you don't want to miss out on opportunities for trades before those windows start closing. I like that for example, mo- Yeah, it, it did. I was proud of that. I think Blair liked it uh, when I sent that in. <laughs> um, moving high-performing veterans that are propping up your squad if the rest of the team is underperforming. So to your point, and this is one of those individual roster reviews, uh, For ex- this might be a type of pretender. A team is winning on narrow margins each, each week, but only because of Tyreek Hill. The rest of the starting lineup is unremarkable. There's no reason to expect a squad like this to make major leaps in 2024 because of the relative weakness of the roster. It definitely makes sense to move Hill at his peak for a premium in this type of scenario. So this is a, a situation where this pretender, let's just, as much as it hurts, man, you just move off of that stud to one of the contenders, and, you know, you, you take some future first or, you know, take some of their, their, uh, you know, maybe they got a young starter that hasn't totally emerged and you know, they got like a Drake, Drake London or something. You get like Drake London and a first for Tyreek Kill I'm just throwing stuff out there. This is a type of mentality you start shifting into because you would just have to run so unbelievably yeah. pure to actually make it work. Now, other guidance for pretenders, be aggressive on the waiver wire every week and find new opportunities to improve your squad, but also for potential claim and flip opportunities to improve your draft position next year. So for example, you know, this week, uh, this week, uh, Zach Evans, Jordan Mason, like in FFPC leagues. These guys aren't universally owned. So you go out, you win that trendy player, you package that player with the fourth round pick, and then you get a third round pick back. You know, you're not trying to like claim the player and, and just get a straight draft pick for them. Yep. That's going to annoy people. Yep. Um, that's going to annoy people, but, just upgrading a pick. All right, well, maybe they need the starter will they'll, they'll do that. Can and I this, make the it, last...
2: Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. make it... No, well, I was just going to quickly say the one thing that, that is important there is if you're doing these moves, you actually then have to follow through with the piece of trading. Because what I've seen some people do is they step into a player at the right time. They have a couple of good games. Then they hold on too long and they end up rostering that player forever when they should have just stuck to the plan and flipped that guy, which I think yeah. could be a trap. Yeah.
1: That, that's 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 a good, um, yeah, that's, that's a good additional point there. The, the last point I've got for pretenders in terms of guidance, it's okay to make a grand move to shift yourself into contender status. Just don't do it at the cost of your team's long-term outlook. So what I wouldn't want a pretender to do is give up tons of future draft capital. You just can't. Do that, but if you wanted to, if if you if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of high end players, but you've got like a lot of wide receiver twos and threes, and you know you're and you're like deep at tight end or something, if you want to package some players and make some really kind of like attractive two or three for one type situations, just to maybe if I just could keep a healthy starting lineup with just that one other stud, and actually you go and trade for a player like Tyree Kill to another pretender. I mean, you can do that type of stuff, but if your team is on this razor thin edge, you can't go give up the future draft picks because if things go wrong over the next month, I mean, you might've traded away, you know, a top three pick or a top four pick and you just can't recover from that type of stuff. If you're going to be in that position, you need to be able to, um, you know, reap the benefits from it. All right, Rebuilders, Dave. This one's a little easier to define, but the guidance is important. So Rebuilders, hey, we're six weeks in. These teams are at least two wins out of playoff position, and there are no weird or extreme team situations. Um, that, that's basically it. I mean, you, you don't have any players that are coming back from injury that are going to really give your team a shot in the arm. I mean, if you're two wins out of playoff position at this point, I mean, you're, you're probably low in points. You, you already have your A-plus lineup out there for you. I mean, you're it's not realistic to think you're gonna be three games better than the 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 last wild card team over, you know, the next eight weeks of the season, unless you're gonna go make some really crazy trades. So like the only time I would say a rebuilder could really get aggressive is maybe you've been a multi-year rebuilder and now you've got like, you know, five or six future firsts or something like that. Okay. Well, if you wanted to get crazy, I guess you have the you know, you have the stockpile to do that. But, but really this is pretty simple. If you look at your roster and you're just like, dude, there's no way in hell that I'm winning this year. You're a rebuilder. I mean, you're a rebuilder. The the pretending group is the group where it's like, man, I had like all these trendy players. Like what if they break out? No, if, if you're a rebuilder, you know,
2: I think, yeah, I was going to say, you know, when you're, you know, when you're, you
1: know it. So so here's the guidance for a rebuilder, right? You've got to try to accumulate other teams, first round picks. Package any veterans that you have with your own second round picks. Um, You know, and I've got a parenthetical note here. You're probably lacking any veterans worth a straight up first, or you wouldn't be in rebuilder status in the first place. Um, Trade for injured players. I really love this one. This further will damage your team this year, which will improve your draft stock for 2024 uh, because you're trading for these injured players. that You're not going to be able to, to play. Um, but you're also then giving your team asymmetric upside potential in 2024. Like your team will be better next year when that injured player returns. Even if you don't ever use that player, that player will regain value. So examples of types of trades maybe you could make as a rebuilder if, if you know, these situations are uh, doable for your roster. So a contender or a pretender who just lost Anthony Richardson for the season in Superflex might be willing to trade him to you for a package that includes like Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, those guys are not going to help you in the long run if you're a rebuilder. Anthony Richardson could. You're going to have to add something to Goff or Cousins, but you otherwise wouldn't have been able to trade for a guy like Richardson. So you take advantage of that situation. Or, you know, maybe a contender with a mostly old team, like a team that's, hey, they're a contender, they're five and one, they're six and oh, but they've they've got Kelsey and Cup and McCaffrey and Kamara. <laughs> They've got all the old guys, you know, they they're just playing the greatest hits. Derek Henry. <laughs> um, okay. Well, maybe that team just lost Justin Jefferson. Okay. Maybe they'd be willing to get even older and take Tyree killer Cooper cup off your hands. Okay. That makes sense for both of you guys. You want to get rid of the, the, the aged uh, wide receiver who is dominating this year and, and you would be fine to take on Justin Jefferson because you don't care if you get the points. You're still going to have to add something there, but these are the types of situations where you might be able to go get an injured player. um, As long as it's very clear why and how this is going to help that contender stay in contending status. So once you've done this, you know, I know that took 10 minutes to listen to, but once you've done that, if you, if you weren't taking notes and you want to see this laid out, it's on, it's in my article on the site. Now you're able to, and it just, the math worked out nicely in this league that I'm in. It won't always be this clean, But I actually separated my league into four contenders, four pretenders, and four rebuilders. It may not always be that way. Um, That's how it ended up here. Now, this is probably the most important part of the episode. All right? Who can trade with who? Once you you make those designations and and you draw those lines in your league, this is what you got to think about contenders will probably only be able to make trades with rebuilders or maybe with a smart pretender. And a smart pretender is a pretender that actually knows they're a pretender. And remember what I said about being a pretender, it's hard to admit you're a pretender. Well, a team that's admitting that they're a pretender is going to actually act like a rebuilder. So, you know, those teams would maybe trade with a contender. Other contenders aren't going to trade with you. They're not going to want to hurt their own chances. However, Dave, it's possible that a team that I categorize as a contender might actually self categorize as a pretender. Mm. Maybe they're like, how'd I get this lucky? Like, I, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm looking at these other solid squads. It ain't me. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think that you offer other contenders trades. If you're a contender, I think you allow those contenders that are actually pretenders to self identify by coaxing them out with trade block offers. Because if, if you make an offer to another contender, they're like, no, I'm not going to help this guy. But if you allow them to identify, oh, here's these players from, you know, there's, here's these players that I'm interested in. And now I'm interested in the player. And I'm thinking about the player before I'm thinking about what team I have to trade with to get the player. That might be a way to get some action if you're a contender with another contender. But, you know, really the rule here is if you're a contender, you need to be looking at the rebuilders in your league. I mean, that those, that's the natural pairing. Now, pretenders, this is where it's fun. Pretenders can probably trade with anyone. If pretenders make offers to unload veterans to the contenders, it will become apparent they want to shift to a rebuild status. If they make offers to acquire veterans, it'll become apparent to the rebuilders or other pretenders they're trying to trade with that they're trying to shift to a contending status. So you can try to figure out either one of those directions, what type of trade they're going to accept. This process, once it plays out, really should shift the teams out of pretending status and into either contending or rebuilding status. You've heard other dynasty uh, uh, talking heads over the years um, say like, you know, the middle is the worst place to be like in dynasty. You don't want to be in the middle. And you know, if you're playing in like high stakes, you're playing in competitive leagues on FFPC. None of those teams want to be in the middle either. And so I mentioned early in the episode, Dave, between week six and 10, week 10 is going to be that next check-in where we're going to do this. Over the next four weeks, I would expect most savvy dynasty managers to get out of the middle. Mm-hmm. So their the rosters are, shouldn't look like they look like today. At one of these weeks in the next four weeks, is the light bulb's going to go on, and they're going to say, I've got a chance, or I don't have a chance, and you start making those moves. Now, to wrap this up, rebuilders can probably make trades easily with contenders and pretenders who want to become contenders. So I, I don't know. I mean, I... I play Settlers of Catan. I play it all the time. It's like one of our favorite family games. And and that's what I think of when I'm thinking about this. Like, you know, it, it could be that board, it could be any other board game where it's like strategic, or or maybe even any, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of other other situations where it's like nobody wants to trade with the front runner. Um, unless it's obvious. Because I mean, not only are you helping them win, you're you're probably hurting other people's chances. And then you get the eye rolls and, you know, it's going to affect the league if you make it like an unbalanced trade with them. All of this trade activity that could really happen over the next month, the most exciting trade activity is going to be between pretenders and rebuilders who, who know what the heck they're doing. Um, And so, you know, hopefully just kind of hearing me talk through this gets you juiced up about making some trade offers and just trying to identify what type of team that you have. Dave, listening through this. Yes. Is there any like number one takeaway that you have um, that you would take and apply to any of your dynasty teams after we sign off?
2: I think the thing that stood out to me is that though this is something that seems simple, you know, just looking at your team and saying, oh, like, where do I land in this league? What's actually important is having some type of framework in which there's guidance to follow that you actually carry through. And, you know, that you use to make some actionable, uh, moves after you listen to it. So to me, I think the, uh, the main point is really just the fact that this kind of energized me to go back, review my teams, solidify where I am, and then follow down that course of action, um, Just underscoring that sometimes there's these simple concepts, but like, unless you fully think it through, you don't realize how much meat there actually is on that bone or here. There's a lot to it. uh, And then a lot of different places to go off of there. So I actually think that there's a lot of key follow-up questions that we won't have time for now, but um, you know, there are things that we'll definitely come back to. You may have seen me. I was jotting down some notes of questions that I thought people might have as you were talking. So we will come back to those, you know, in the future.
1: All right. That sounds great. You know, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of the DCC. We'll be back next week. We'll get into some player takes. I want to do a midseason check in next week, Dave, on some of the best stories of the dynasty season. Maybe talk a little crystal ball where these guys are going to go in ADP and startup drafts next year. And probably two weeks from now, we're going to do a Debbie drop in. We got to check in on some of the best prospects in college football, because Dave, we're going to blank. We're going to be doing another rookie guide.
2: Dude, I can't, um, I, is- I cannot wait to start talking about some of these guys. I've been watching a lot know, of college man. football yeah.
1: this season.
2: Um, and I can't wait to talk also about Keon Coleman. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that one, you know, among others, there's a lot of good guys this year to talk about.
1: All right. Well, that's, the, that's a wrap for this episode of the DCC. We'll be back next week.